Hi, welcome back to North Star Big Book. I'm Carly. I'm a recovered alcoholic. We are going to be on Chapter 1, Bill's Story. I love Bill's story. It's It feels like I'm visiting an old friend, and it's also haunting and uncomfortable to read it. On the top of the page, I wrote, Identification is a vital part of recovery. Identification is a vital part of recovery. And then I wrote, Bill's story. And then I wrote, so we can identify with Bill and begin to believe and have hope. So we can identify with Bill and begin to believe and have hope. So that's the reason why this is here. It's also to see the development of the mental obsession within Bill, the progressive disease. I So I wrote down, look for the development of the mental obsession. And I wrote progressive disease. And this is all about the 12th step call that happens with Ebby and Bill and then with Bill and Dr. Bob and then with Bill and Dr. Bob and Bill Dodson and so on and so on until it came to us. And above the words Bill's story, I wrote lie-based disease. Lie-based disease. I bracketed the two first paragraphs and I wrote on the side, no physical craving or mental obsession. So we're going to identify the progression of Bill's story. And in the beginning, he does not have a physical craving and he does not have a mental obsession. For those who do not understand who Bill is, there are two founders of Alcoholics Anonymous. There's Bill Wilson, who is Bill's story, and there's Dr. Bob, who Bill meets in 12 Steps and is how AA began. Bill, um, I relate to Bill a lot. He was dramatic. He always had a plan. He was manipulative, a schemer, and he always thought he could outrun and outbeat his disease. <clears throat> it says, war fever ran high in the New England town to which we new young officers from Plattsburgh were assigned, and we were flattered when the first citizens took us to their homes, making us feel heroic. And I felt heroic in my beginning of my drinking. I felt like a superhero. Here was love, applause, war, moments sublime, which I had, with intervals hilarious, which I also had. I underlined, I was part of life at last, and in the midst of this excitement, I discovered liquor, which is exactly what happened to me. I wrote on the side, alcohol did for him. So at this point in his life, in his drinking, alcohol is exciting. He's part of because of alcohol, and he's having a great time, and all he can think of is what it does for him. I underlined, I put a check next to this because I related to it. I forgot the strong warnings and the prejudices of my people concerning drink. So clearly, alcoholism ran in Bill's family as it does in mine. I say that alcoholism doesn't run in my family. It's riddled with alcoholism. We can just follow it up all the way through. I underlined, in time we sailed for over there. And I underlined, I was very lonely and again turned to alcohol. And on the side, I wrote for him. So I remember always being at a party or a bar or somewhere, someone's house, and I always wanted to go to the next place. What's the next place? And the, that next sentence about being lonely and turning to alcohol, he does it because he thinks about what it does for him. Alcohol made him not lonely, which is what exactly what it did to me, for me. We landed in England. I visited Winchester Cathedral. Much moved, I wandered outside. My attention was caught by a dog roll on an old tombstone. Here lies a Hampshire grenadier who caught his death drinking cold small beer. A good soldier is never forgot whether he dieth by musket or by pot. And I wrote on the side, warning. 
So this is a warning about someone who died of alcoholism. And he stops and thinks about it just enough that he includes it in his story. But I wrote no application. I had many warnings. You could like freeze them and be like, look at this moment that's happening right now. This is a huge foreshadowing, but I never wanted to do anything about them. I underlined omnius warning, which I failed to heed. The next paragraph I wrote 1918 next to it. Just so we can get an idea of time. 22 and a veteran of foreign wars, I went home at last. I fancied myself a leader for had not the men of my battery given me a special token of appreciation, which I'm sure everybody got. I underlined the rest of the paragraph. My talent for leadership, I imagined, would place me at the head of vast enterprises, which I would manage with the utmost assurance. So he dreams big. His ego is huge. I was the opposite. I would dream about my funeral and how everyone would be so sorry about the way that they treated me. The next page on page two says, I took a night law course and obtained employment as investigator for a surety company. The drive for success was on. So I start to identify with this because I wanted to be successful. I underlined, I'd prove to the world I was important. It wasn't to myself. I didn't need inner approval because I didn't even know what that was. I needed outward approval. And so did Bill. My work took me about Wall Street, and little by little, I became interested in the market. Many people lost money, but some became very rich. I underlined, why not I? So this is what he thinks. Why shouldn't I become rich? I studied economics and business as well as law. Potential alcoholic that I was, I underlined, I nearly failed my law course. I underlined, at one of the finals, I was too drunk to think or write. And then I underlined, though my drinking was not yet continuous, it disturbed my wife. I wrote on the side, couldn't finish what I started. I was a really great starter and a really poor finisher. I had big ideas and I was super excited and I would get people involved and then I would back out. And at this point, he's not disturbed by his drinking, but the closest person to him, his wife, is. And he's aware of it. So he's starting to have consequences. <clears throat> and, and I wrote on the side, next to the rest of the paragraph, progression. We had long talks when I would steal her forebodings by telling her that men of genius conceive their best projects when drunk, that the most majestic constructions of philosophic thought were so derived. And I thought, because I was in theater and I was in the arts, that I needed to be not sober in order to be creative. And I, my heroes were musicians like Jimi Hendrix and Jim Morrison and Janis Joplin who I focus on how creative and free they were, but I never paid attention to that, that they all overdosed and died at 27. I only focused on like how they seemed to be. It says, by the time I had completed the course, I knew that law was not for me. The inviting maelstrom, maelstrom just means like whirlwind, like it sucked him in, of Wall Street had me in its grip. Business and financial leaders were my heroes, and I underline my heroes. And this is when I asked the girl I'm working with, like, did you have heroes out there? My heroes were any, any artist or creative person that was super free and out there, pushing the envelope. Out of this alloy of drink and speculation, I underlined, I commenced to forge the weapon that would one day turn in its flight like a boomerang and all but cut me to ribbons. And then I underlined in red, cut me to ribbons. And what they're talking about here, I wrote on the side, is alcoholism. So commenced means began. So he began to have alcoholism become a weapon instead of a tool. And then it's going to turn around without notice, without a memo, 
and it's going to cut him down. Living modestly, my wife and I saved $1,000. I wrote on the side 1920s just to remind myself that this was a lot of money back then. It went into certain securities, then cheap and rather unpopular. I underlined, I rightly imagined that they would someday have a great rise. So he always thinks what he's going to do is going to be successful. I failed to persuade my broker friends to send me out looking over factories and managements, but my wife and I decided to go anyway. And I underlined, decided to go anyway. And I wrote on the side, always did what I wanted. Always did what I wanted. So even if someone told me this is a bad idea, I always did what I wanted. Especially if someone told me it was a bad idea. That was like a little push I needed. I had developed a theory that most people lost money in stocks through ignorance of markets. I discovered many more reasons later on. I underlined, we gave up our positions and off we roared on a motorcycle. So that was me. I was always taking off on road trips. My parents were always begging me to not marry whoever I was with. The sidecar stuff with tent blankets, a change of clothes, and three huge volumes of a financial reference service. I underline the next sentence. Our friends thought a lunacy commission should be appointed. And that was my that was my reality. My friends thought I was crazy, which was hard because I chose to put myself around people who partied hard. So when the people that partied hard in my eyes were thinking that I were judging me, that was when it was uncomfortable and I had to take off. Perhaps they were right. I had some success at speculation, so we had a little money. But we once worked on a farm for a month to avoid drawing on our small capital. And I underlined, that was the last honest manual labor on my part for many a day. And then it reminds me of when my last honest, you know, money that I brought in was. And the truth is, my parents sent me money for rent and food and school. And that was the only reason why I wasn't homeless. And I stole food from the grocery store because I didn't have any money. It says, we covered the whole eastern United States in a year. At the end of it, my reports to Wall Street procured me a position there and the use of a large expense account. The exercise of an option brought in more money, leaving us with a profit of several thousand dollars for that year. I wrote on the side, others paid a price for my drinking. So I wrote, others paid a price for my drinking. Because sometimes I'll hear people in the room say, oh, I didn't have any consequences at that point. But really, if I look back honestly and I look all around me, people were paying a price for my drinking from a very early age. People were having to take me home, get me into bed, lie to my parents and get in trouble with their parents and or stay up all night with me while I was sick. And somebody always paid a price for my fun. At this point, though, drinking is not a problem for Bill. It's still exciting. He's still having fun, which is really important to remember because I don't stop until I'm not having fun anymore. Just because you're not having fun, that's annoying and I wish you would stop talking about it. It's not until I'm miserable. I bracketed the next paragraph and it says, for the next few years, fortune through money and applause my way. I wrote on the top of the paragraph, drinking is the solution. Drinking is the solution and I wrote exciting. So at this point, to Bill, it was exciting and it was his solution. I also need to remember that and share that with the person I'm working with because if they don't realize that I also found it to be exciting and it was my solution, then they're not going to relate. Alcohol never was my problem. My problem was that I believed alcohol was my solution. I underline I had arrived, which I, I felt it many times, but then it always slipped out of my hands. My judgment and ideas were followed by many to the tune of paper millions. The great boom of the late 20s was seething and swelling. I underline the next sentence. 
Drink was taking an important and exhilarating part in my life. I can relate to that. I remember I used to um, organize my whole life, my whole social life around drinking. I organized my college classes around drinking and coming to never too early in the morning and never too late in the afternoon, especially on close to the weekends. And I only hung out with people that had things that I wanted. There was loud talk in the jazz places uptown. Everyone spent in thousands and chattered in millions. Scoffers could scoff and be damned. I underlined, I made a host of fair-weather friends. And that reminder is that the people I surrounded myself with were not the people that would be there for me all the time. They, When I had what they wanted, they stuck around. And when things were not going my way, they didn't all stick around anymore. Just like I did not with them. I underlined the next sentence. My drinking assumed more serious proportions, continuing all day and almost every night. And I, above that, I wrote progression. It says, the remonstrances, which means protests. So the protests of my friends terminated in a row. So his friends were saying, I don't want to be around you anymore. You're crazy. I underlined in red, and I became a lone wolf. And I really related to that. I put myself in the position where nobody wanted to be around me anymore. And I didn't want to be around anyone because I was paranoid. I wrote on the side, begins to operate on his own. The loneliness in that apartment. I underlined, this was the first sentence in the big book when I ever picked it up in the beginning that I could relate to. It said, there were many unhappy scenes in our sumptuous apartment. It says, there had been no real infidelity for loyalty to my wife, helped at times by extreme drunkenness, kept me out of those scrapes. In 1929, I contracted golf fever. I underlined, we went at once to the country. And above that, I wrote geographic cure, which is something that is talked about in the rooms, that we went to different places and changed different locations and jobs and friends to try to make ourselves better. So he wasn't doing well. So he and his wife decided to go to the country and the person that they're going to talk about, Walter Hagen, I wrote on the side, Tiger Woods. And that is equivalent to Tiger Woods of, of the day, which by this point, people don't even know who I'm talking about anymore. But I just dated myself. So Walter Hagen was like Tiger Woods. He was like a golf superstar. Bill Wilson thinks he's going to take his drunk skinny butt to the country and overtake Walter Hagen. Says, my wife to applaud while I started to overtake Walter Hagen. Liquor caught up with me much faster than I came up behind Walter. I underlined, I began to be jittery in the morning. And above that, I wrote progression. And then I wrote physical. So now he's having the physical progression, the allergy. His body physically needs alcohol. It says, golf permitted drinking around four. Every day and every night. On the top of four, I wrote... Did you set up your life to permit your drinking? Did you set up your life to permit your drinking? So I did not hang out with like religious people that wanted to meditate. I hung out with people who were going to party and they were going to party hard and nobody was going to judge me about how I was doing things because I wanted to be around places where I could be dressed up and covered in glitter and it was totally normal. It says, it was fun to come around the exclusive course which had inspired such awe in me as a lad. I acquired the impeccable coat of tan one sees upon the well-to-do. The local banker watched me whirl fat checks in and out of his till with, I underline, amused skepticism. So everyone at this point knows that Bill's a mess. Abruptly, in October 1929, hell broke loose on the New York Stock Exchange. After one of those days of inferno, I wobbled from a hotel bar to a brokerage office. It was 8 o'clock. 
Five hours after the market closed, the ticker still clattered. I was staring at an inch of the tape which bore the inscription XYZ32. It had been 52 that morning. I was finished, and so were many friends. The papers reported men jumping to death from the towers of high finance. You notice that they capitalize high finance, and whenever they talk about a higher power in this book, they capitalize it. So to the men who kill themselves during the Great Depression, during the stock market collapse, they kill themselves over money. And what Bill says in this sentence is, that disgusted me. I would not jump. So he's judging them for killing themselves over the money. And then this is what he does instead. I went back to the bar. So he's judging as he goes back to the bar to drink himself to death. My friends had dropped several million since 10 o'clock. I underlined, so what? So what was basically how I lived. I was so self-centered. If you were talking to me about something that did not directly affect me, I would interrupt you and ask you if this had anything to do with me. And if it didn't, I didn't want to hear about it. If you told me your grandma died, I'd be like, okay, but we're going to go get drunk tonight. Like, I'd be like, oh, I'm sorry. Like, okay, let's go. I underline the next two sentences. Tomorrow was another day as I drank the old fierce determination to win came back. So alcohol gave him what he needed, that courage. Next morning, I telephoned a friend in Montreal. He had plenty of money left, and I underlined, and I thought I had better go to Canada. So here's another geographic here. By the following spring, we were living in our accustomed style. I felt like Napoleon returning from Elba. No St. Helena for me. But drinking caught up with me again, and my generous friend, I underlined, had to let me go. And under had to let me go, I wrote progression. Because he behaved in a way where his friend, who was generous, had to have him leave. So that's the progression of the disease. This time we stay broke. I underline, we went to live with my wife's parents. Remember, this is in 1929, and that was a big ego buster for a man at this point. I found a job and lost it as the result of a brawl with a taxi driver. Mercifully, no one could guess that I was to have no real employment for five years, and I underlined, or hardly draw a sober breath, which is a reminder for me that I hardly drew a sober breath at my end. I underline the next sentence. My wife began to work in a department store, coming home exhausted to find me drunk. And on the top of five, I wrote the progression of alcoholism. So he's unemployable and his wife now has to work. I became an unwelcome hanger-on at brokerage places. I, I Next to that, I wrote abnormal life becomes normal. Abnormal life becomes normal. So one of the things I always think about with this is, you know, I was always in relationships. I was a boyfriend person. I was a much as much addicted to guys as I was to what I was doing and putting my body. Um, and I, that's where I found my security. When I graduated high school, I wouldn't dream of being in a relationship with a guy where we were allowed to be with other people because I was so jealous and insecure. And by my end, because I didn't want to be alone, I lived with a guy where we had an open relationship and we would both sleep out with other people and not come home randomly at night and also be together. And I, my standards were so low that I could barely look at myself in the mirror. But my abnormal life became normal. I underlined liquor ceased to be a luxury. It became a necessity. Again, I wrote progression. So it's no longer for fun. It's now necessary. I wrote on the side, drinking for an entirely different reason. Drinking for an entirely different reason. And I wrote to live. So he's not drinking for fun anymore. He's now drinking to live. 
bathtub, gin, two bottles a day, and often three got to be routine. I underline the word routine. Like, what was your routine? I thought I was so free and open, but really, if you looked at the way I was living, it was exhausting, like a rat on a wheel. Sometimes a small deal would net a few hundred dollars, and I would pay my bills at the bars and delicatessens. I underline the rest of the paragraph. This went on endlessly, and I love that word endlessly because that's what it was like. And I began to waken very early in the morning, shaken violently. So now he's got a real physical allergy to alcohol. When it's not in his body, he physically craves it, and he's got DTs. A tumbler full of gin, followed by half a dozen bottles of beer, would be, and I circled the word required. I love that language. It wasn't something that he wanted. It was something that was required. If I were to eat any breakfast. I underlined, double underlined, nevertheless, I still thought I could control the situation. Next to that, I wrote the lie. So that's the lie he tells himself, that he still thinks he can control it. And where it says, I still thought, I wrote the mind. So the mind is what tells me that lie. My mind convinces me, yes, things are a little bit out of control, but it's because of her and it's because of him and it's because you're, you know, your father-in-law and it's because of this. And I... My mind always convinced me the lie that I could manage it. There were periods of sobriety which renewed my wife's hopes. My wife's hopes. So this is really important. Um, I wrote on the side, can't see the truth. Can't see the truth. I was able to stay sober for periods of sobriety. They were random periods. What sober was, air quote sober, was questionable. But I was able to prove to people that were harassing me that I was able to do this and to myself and therefore, I'm not a real alcoholic. And those periods made people leave me alone and get them off my back. And then my mind would convince me I was fine or I'd feel better when I drank or let's drink until we get the right medication. And then I would start again and I'd be on that miserable cycle. I underline gradually things got worse, which is what always happens. I wrote on the side, I was willing to go to any length to not feel. I was willing to go to any length to not feel. That's why I can't stand when people that are new and you come in and they say, what was your drug of choice? Like, first of all, the if I'm a real alcoholic and I'm powerless, which means I have no control over what I put in my body and I can't stay away from it, then the idea that I have a choice is laughable. There might have been things that I put in my body that I enjoyed more than others. But the truth is, if nothing was available, I would do whatever there was. I would drink whatever I had to drink and I would put in my body whatever I needed to put in my body in order to not feel. And that was my truth. The house was taken over by the mortgage holder. My mother-in-law died. My father, my wife and father-in-law became ill. I underlined the next sentence. Now Bill's okay. Then I got a promising business opportunity. So Bill... Bill uses money and business and success to boost his ego and pride. And then he convinces himself he's okay when he gets that. Stocks were at the low point of 1932, and I had somehow formed a group to buy. I was to share generously in the profits. Then I went on a prodigious, which means enormous, bender, and that chance vanished. So no matter how good it was going, he always ended up picking up a drink and couldn't control it once he did. I bracketed the next paragraph. And I wrote on the side, he is serious. I wrote, he is serious. I wrote, using his willpower. Using his willpower. And I wrote, lost the power of choice. Lost the power of choice. So these next two paragraphs are going to be about him being serious. He's trying to use the power of his mind 
and he's not able to choose anymore. I woke up. I underlined, this had to be stopped. And above that, I wrote, no mental defense. So he wants to not drink anymore. We're actually at a place where he doesn't want to drink anymore. And then I underlined, I saw I could not take so much as one drink. So he sees when he tries to control it, he's not able to. I underlined, I was through forever, which I, I made that proclamation all the time. And I believed it. Before then, I had written lots of sweet promises, but my wife happily observed that this time I underlined, I meant business, and so I did. Next to, and so I did, I wrote, obsession of mind, stronger than willpower. Obsession of mind, stronger than willpower. So the thought that blacks out all other thoughts, which is you'll feel better when you pick up a drink, or what's the use anyhow, is stronger than the power of my mind to not drink. And above the next paragraph, which I also bracketed, I wrote, lost the power of choice. Lost the power of choice. And it says, shortly afterward, I came home drunk. I underlined, there had been no fight. So he didn't even choose at this point anymore. It just happened. Where had been my high resolve? I simply didn't know. I underlined, it hadn't even come to mind. And I, it says, someone had pushed a drink my way and I had taken it. And I circled and underlined, was I crazy? I wrote on the side, did you question your insanity? Did you question your sanity? That was my go-to. It wasn't about alcohol. I knew something was wrong with the way I thought. I didn't understand the mental obsession, but I knew I was crazy. And that's why I kept seeking out psychiatric help and medication and the right doctor and the right diagnosis. Because I didn't want the problem to be alcohol because I didn't want to stop. But I really believed. I believed my own lies that there was something wrong with the way I thought. It says, I began to wonder for such, I underlined, an appalling lack of perspective seemed near being just that. So that, sent, that last part of the sentence, an appalling lack of perspective seemed near being just that, is about being insane. Not being able to see the whole picture. Only seeing what happened to me, not seeing the choices I made to make it happen. I underlined, renewing my resolve, I tried again. And I circled the word I, and underneath that I wrote powerless. So he didn't get help, he didn't go to a higher power, he just kept putting his will there. Page six says, some time passed and confidence began to be replaced by cocksureness. On the top of the page, I wrote, Bill has no mental defense. Bill has no mental defense. And I also wrote this chain, and I'll explain it. I wrote the words willpower, and then I made an arrow, and then I, underneath the arrow I wrote lost. So I lost my willpower, I couldn't control it. And then I wrote the word sanity. So willpower, arrow, underneath the arrow I wrote lost, and then I wrote the word sanity. Then I made another arrow and I wrote lost underneath that arrow, and I wrote suicide. Because first I start with the power of my mind that I'm gonna figure this out on my own, and then I question my sanity, and then when I realize I don't have control over my thinking, my only solution is suicide. And that is a real side effect of untreated alcoholism in the rooms and out of the rooms. It says, I could laugh at the gin mills. I underline, now I have what it takes. And I wrote on the side in quotation marks, I got this. Anytime I am behaving in a way that is not aligned with what the program tells me I need to be doing, 
I'm essentially saying to my higher power, I've got this. When, when I don't want to send an inventory, when I don't want to show up when I need to, when I don't want to answer the phone, when I don't want to do what I need to do to stay spiritually fit, I'm saying whether I'm aware of it or not, I got this. I know better. I can handle this. One day I walked into a cafe to telephone. In no time I was beating on the bar asking myself how it had happened. As the whiskey rose to my head, I underlined, I told myself I would manage better next time. And above manage, I wrote the lie. So that's the lie that we tell ourselves. And I wrote on the side, powerless. And it says, but I might as well get good and drunk then. And I did. The next paragraph, I bracketed the whole paragraph. And it, I underlined in red, the remorse, horror, and hopelessness. And above that, I wrote cycle of alcoholism. The remorse, horror, and hopelessness of the next morning are unforgettable. The courage to do battle was not there. I underlined in red, my brain raced uncontrollably and I had a terrible sense of impending calamity. Above that, I wrote mental obsession. And I wrote how I felt at the end. Just to remember, there wasn't fun anymore. I... I felt like I couldn't breathe and that I was crazy and I needed to do something to stop myself because I couldn't stop moving so fast. I hardly dared cross the street lest I collapse and be run down by an early morning truck, for it was scarcely daylight. An all-night place supplied me with a dozen glasses of ale. I underlined in red, my writhing nerves. It says, we're stilled at last, and I wrote on the side, the gift of desperation. A morning paper told me the market had gone to hell again. Well, so had I. The market would recover, but I wouldn't. That was a hard thought. I underline in red, here's his next thought. Should I kill myself? So he just judged his friends for killing themselves after the stock market crashes. And now he's thinking that he should kill himself because he can't control anything. And he says, no, not now. Then a mental fog settled down. I underline, gin would fix that. I, I wrote underneath, gin would fix that. Alcohol is his only solution. It says, so two bottles and oblivion. So it says, alcohol is his only solution. And I wrote, drinking for total oblivion, which is what I wanted at the end. We're going to stop right there. Next week, we'll pick up on page six. I hope you have an awesome week. It's totally your choice. Thank you so much for being with me. Take care.